People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Three games down, seven to go in game week 34 of the Premier League. We've got another four for you today. Once again, Jay Cosgathorpe from InfoGoal joins me to run through the upcoming fixtures and find any value that might be on offer. I think we're at the midway point of four podcasts on the spin, Jake. Are you ready for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a highlight of my day, to be honest, Ben. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Well, we've got, as I said, we've got four games today and then we've got another three tomorrow. So what we'll do is we'll we'll get straight into the, the fixtures that we've got to cover for this episode. Yeah, some four really good games uh, tonight to, to focus on. So let's get stuck in. First up, we've got Manchester City versus Newcastle and there was... Plenty of talk about how Manchester City went from beating the champions 4-0 to losing 1-0 to a bottom half side. But it's one of those ones that when you look at the data, the the Southampton game was actually a, a better performance from Manchester City. They they played really well, created plenty of chances, but they just couldn't put the ball in the net. I think obviously game state is going to have an impact on the figures, but even still it was... 2.99 expected goals for against Liverpool and they conceded 1.11. Against Southampton, it was 3.53 expected goals for and they conceded just 0.7. Um, there has been quite a few games like that for City this season. And I think that, along with the fact that they've actually lost nine matches, which is more than Wolves, Manchester United and Arsenal, that will, that will have to be a concern for them going into the next campaign. As for Newcastle, they haven't lost in the league since the break. They've won two, drawn two. Um, They did lose 2-1 to City in the middle of that on that little cup run. Um, For them, the wins against Sheffield United and Bournemouth probably flattered them a little bit in terms of the scoreline, but they were deserved wins nonetheless. And they were a little bit lucky to, to get a point against Aston Villa and West Ham after losing the XG battle in both of those games. And it's probably quite a fair reflection of, of how their season's been over the over the 33 games that we've seen there. They are one of the worst teams in the league according to expected goals, but they're just three points off the top half of the table. So they have got very lucky, but you do have to say that the process looks to have improved since the, the return to action from the break. So small samples again, but we'll have to see what happens with that. Um, this game is, despite Newcastle's improvements, it's still probably going to be attack versus defence. Pinnacle has Manchester City at 1.109, which is nearly an 87% chance of a win. The draw is 11.02, which is 9%. And Newcastle are given a a massive 4% chance of the three points at odds of 21.69. My guess here is that you're going to be fairly close in terms of the 1x2, but Maybe the goals market is an interesting one. It's it's three point five at the moment. It's it's almost fifty fifty, just a slight lean towards the over. But potentially we could see a lot more goals than that. Do you think that's about right for the odds? Yeah, yeah, we do. We think that the the one x two is pretty much spot on, and the goal lines at the minute are are where we expect them to be in terms of how high the the expected goals for the game is is going to be. Um, yeah, City have been a really curious case this season. I mean, we, we've spoken about it a lot, um, pretty much every week. The fact that they're top of our expected goals table, 
Um, they have been all season long. They've got the best attacking process in the league uh, by a country mile. They've created around 18 more expected goals than the next best Chelsea. Uh, but the main issues that they've found is, is that they've just not been as clinical as, as they have been in previous years. Um, they scored just 81 times from, from chances equating to 90.9 expected goals. And, and, you know, if you just flick back to 18-19, where they obviously um, picked Liverpool to, to, the, to the title with 98 points, they scored 95 times from 90.5 expected goals. So they've already beat, they've already racked up more expected goals in 19-20 than they did in 18-19. Um, and we've still got, what, how many, like five games left to play. Uh, and even the Centurion season, they scored 106 goals from chances equating to 87.7 expected goals. So in terms of the actual um, chances that they're creating, they've, they've been ex- they've been by far and away better this season than they have in the, the previous two seasons where they've won the title. So um, there's not it's not the problem isn't with creating the chances. They're creating the chances at an extremely high rate, uh, one of the highest in Europe in terms of um, XGF per 90, but. The, the issue that they've had this season is just for whatever reason, they've just not been taking the chances or they've not been as clinical um, as previous years. And even if they'd have been, you know, even if they'd have scored pretty much in line with what their expected goal figure suggests they should have, so around 91 goals, then they would probably still be quite well. They would be a lot closer to Liverpool with those, those 10 goals could have proved really crucial. Um, as it happens, they've had too many days like the ones against against Southampton where... Like you said, they created three and a half expected goals and failed to score, which is, you know, I think you said it there that it's happened a few times. One of them springs to mind against Tottenham away from home, where they lost, I think it was 2 0. They racked up around three expected goals to Tottenham's around 0.4 or something along those lines. Um, and yeah, it, it, you know, wasteful in front of goal. Um, I think it, it, they, they tend to come up against teams that, that do sit deep and, and throw bodies in the way of, of shots and. I think uh, Jack Stevens was one of the players for Southampton who was highlighted as being um, exceptional at the weekend for getting in f- his body in front of, of some of those big chances. So there's some of that to factor in. But even so, City should have been more clinical on the day. They should have had the game pretty much wrapped up with a comfortable victory based on, on the amount of chances that they did create. And it was wave after wave. And we're expecting something similar here. Expecting a reaction. Obviously, the three home games since the restart... Um, have come against Arsenal, Burnley and Liverpool. They've won all of those, uh, 3-0, 5-0, 4-0. They've kept three clean sheets. They've scored 12 goals. Um, and we're expecting something similar um, uh, in this game. Newcastle, they've, they've been pretty good since the shift to a back four. Um, unbeaten the Premier League in that time, which is uh, six games stretching back uh, post Pre-break, sorry. Um, the first game in, the, in which they switched from a back five to a back four was against Newcastle. Sorry, <laughs> they are Newcastle. Against Burnley in a, in a goalless draw where, um, you know, and, and ever since then, they've, they've actually increased their um, their expected goal four numbers quite considerably. And before the game against West Ham at the weekend, um, in the last five games in the Premier League, Newcastle actually sat atop of the expected goals table based on expected points. So the switch to the back four had seemingly done them the world of good I will just caveat that with the fact that they had some, well, not not easy games, but the, the fixture list wasn't exactly um, t- difficult on them. Like I said, they played Burnley away at Southampton, Sheffield United, Aston Villa, Bournemouth, uh, West Ham. The last three of those have been obviously in the relegation dogfight. So um, in terms of the fixtures, it's not been too difficult, but there is there is definitely an improvement in terms of their underlying process. Um, obviously, despite that, West Ham did create the better of the chances at the weekend um, in in, a, in the two two draw, but. 
that does give me a little bit of confidence that they might have a go at City here. I mean, what we've seen from Newcastle in recent years against City in recent games is basically just attack versus defence. Newcastle barely create anything um, and City steamroll them um, quite comfortably, whether that be obviously the 2-0 in the FA Cup. Um, Newcastle did draw with them last season, but it was a, an extremely fortunate 2-2 draw oh, Sorry, earlier in the season um, where City created nearly three expected goals and Newcastle at just 0.2 managed to score twice. Um, so, yeah, I'm expecting something similar in, in terms of a lopsided XG contest. Um, and it's just down to Man City, really, to take the chances. If they if they do so, it could be quite a, a convincing win and, that, and that's what we, we think is going to happen. Over three and a half goals, like you said, is around 50-50 on the market. We give that a 57% chance of over three and a half goals. So there's a huge amount of value there in getting over three and a half on side. Um, and interestingly, looking at the both teams to score market as well, um, no is a, a really firm favourite on the market, around 62% chance of BTTS no. The model goes 51% chance of both teams to score yes, which is a little bit of a surprise. But, you know, what we've seen from City, especially against teams that, that you know, doing really impress on the counter-attack like the Chelsea's and, and Southampton's is that they can be caught out and um, Newcastle obviously have the pace and the trickery going forward with the, the St Maximan, Dwight Gale um, etc, Almiron to, to be able to potentially um, you know cause City a few problems in what should be a relatively easy night so um, a high scoring Man City win um, both teams to score is a big value play I personally would just stick to the over three and a half and while we're we're talking about these games kind of in the the context of this season but there's obviously these two aren't really playing for much but it's it's interesting to look ahead to next season we've probably got a, a very strong title contender obviously in Manchester City they're actually the favourites to win it and, and a team that could potentially go down in Newcastle do you when you're getting towards the tail end of this season do you begin to think about things like that and maybe look towards outrights before the season even ends yeah yeah we definitely do I mean now that the prices have sort of been announced for the um, the title race next season uh, is something that we've looked at. Um, and in terms of the Infogol model, we make Manchester City, I think it was 45% favourites to win the title next season, Liverpool at 42. So um, I think the market's got it a little bit more in Manchester City's favour. So we're potentially saying that there's value in back in Liverpool at the prices. Um, but it's something we are looking for, looking towards. Um, you mentioned their Newcastle with relegation. I, I would... I'd hold your money a little bit on that bet just to see what happens with the takeover and, and see what they do in terms of uh, managerial appointments. I mean, I'm, I'm presuming that if they if they bring if the money does come in, they're going to bring a new manager in, more high profile manager than Steve Bruce. Although, according to the results, he has done a pretty decent job this season. Uh, and Newcastle will probably bring in more players as well as they as they look to sort of jump into top half and, and potentially European spot, depending on, on the quality of the players that come in. So I would hold your money on Newcastle just to see what happens with the takeover. Um, and, and if the takeover doesn't go through for whatever reason and, and Newcastle roll into next season with the same group of players, same manager, then you could probably make a case for them being um, relegation candidates, yeah. And now we've got Sheffield United versus Wolves. And I think this one, there's a... A lot of neutrals would have been rooting for Wolves with their their outside chance of a top top four spot, but that kind of hit a bit of a stumbling block after they went down 2-0 to Arsenal at the weekend. Arsenal then did them a favour last night and drew with Leicester, which means Wolves, if Wolves win here, it'll now just be a, a four-point gap to Leicester in fourth and five points to Chelsea in third. I think the, the worry for Wolves is that despite three decent results from four matches, 
They were against teams right down the bottom of the table in West Ham, Bournemouth and Aston Villa. And the process hasn't really looked anywhere near as good as it did before the break. They're, they're still fairly solid at the back, but they haven't exactly been a massive threat going forward um, to kind of uh, do damage to their opponents. Um, Sheffield United are, are one of the teams that have struggled to to kind of get back into the rhythm of things after the break as well. They had deserved 3-0 losses to Newcastle and Manchester United. They then beat Tottenham 3-1 after having the better, better of the game um, and then went and drew 1-1 with Burnley, which was a, a fair result with almost identical XG figures. I think Wolves definitely have to step up from from where they've been playing recently if they're to to hold on to any hopes of a top four finish. Going to be difficult if Sheffield United are back to the levels that that they showed in the early parts of the season. Um, but it could be a, a really interesting game in terms of the market. It does favour Wolves for this. Pinnacle gives them a forty five percent chance of the win um, at odds of two point one seven. Sheffield United are again a fairly big price at home at 4.06, which is a 24% chance. And the draw is available at 3.09, which is 31%. Um, we've got one with a low goals total here as well at two. And the market is buying into the over, but but it's not by very much for what is a low mark. Um, where are you looking for value here? Is it is there something in the 1x2, the total goals or, or both maybe? Yeah, there's a couple of pieces of value that we like the look of. Um, I think... First of all, it is quite a big game for for both of these teams, given the the European aspirations of the pair. Um, a win for Sheffield United would take them just a point behind Wolves um, and back up into seventh. Like I said, a win for Wolves really um, really puts pressure on Leicester and closes that gap a little bit. So it is quite a big game for both teams, given the um, uh, what's at stake and, and pretty much basically what what their season's built up to during the uh, heading to the last five matches. Um, Sheffield United were they were okay against Burnley. Like you said, it was a very, very fair result. 1.56 to 1.54 XG. Um, pretty much identical as you as you pointed out. 1-1 couldn't have been a fairer reflection of the game. Um, but that did follow a, a, a much better performance um <clears throat> at home to Tottenham, in which they deservedly won that 3-1. Um and you know, that that was a a a Sheffield United performance that looked back to the best. After um, after struggling massively against Newcastle and, and especially Manchester United away from home, so definitely positives to take from uh, from that Spurs game. I know it's, it's an extremely small sample; it's just one game, but that was their first um, and only home game that they've played in the Premier League since the restart. They've played four away games in the league, one at home um, since the break. So um, you know, and, and at home is is where they've had most of their success this season in terms of the underlying numbers. Obviously. Uh, you know they've got a really good record away from home in terms of um, having lost only four of, of seventeen, but at home the the process has been pretty good. Uh, they've averaged one point six eight expected goals for one point two three against, um, which is is has them in the top half of the table for home process, which is um, you know something to boast about really for Chris Wilder's side. Um, and you know if any if that Spurs game is anything to go by, then then. This price for Sheffield United does look a little bit too big. Um, however, as we've said all season long, Wolves are, are a, a top top outfit and um, they are a better team than Tottenham. So um, it is a little bit of a surprise to see Wolves at the price that they are compared to Spurs, for example. I think Spurs went off around 1.8 at Bramall Lane last week and, and Wolves are looking at around 2.2. So um, that's almost doing a little bit of a, a disservice to Wolves, if anything. Um, but 
one of the other things that we, we mentioned week in week out with Sheffield United is, is that while the, the goal column suggests otherwise, having you know they scored thirty four times, conceded thirty three goals, um, chances at both ends is pretty much the norm when when Sheffield United do play. Um, have played this season uh, with 48.5 expected goals for and 50.8 expected goals against. So, um, you know, you've seen a, they've scored around 15 fewer than would have been expected and conceded around 17 fewer than, than what would have been expected. So the, the, the ch- chances have been there in the matches. They've just not been taken at, at either end through poor finishing and, and, and good goalkeeping and good defending. So, um, and, and that's something we've seen a little bit um, of, of regression for post-break really um, obviously against Spurs and Burnley both teams did score um, against Man United and Newcastle the, the game saw over two and a half goals which was a, a rarity for Sheffield United pre-break so there is there, it does look as though the, the goals are starting to go in at a little bit more of a uh, of a normal or an expected rate um, which does bode well for this game it means that it could be a little bit more entertaining than the, the goal line suggests um, as for Wolves I was extremely disappointed with their performance um, against Arsenal you, you, you rightly said that um, since the break, while they have produced um, three really good defensive displays prior to that Arsenal game, um, the attacking numbers weren't really um, up to scratch in terms of uh, the fact that they only managed to break one expected goal against against Bournemouth. Um, it was 0.9 against West Ham, 0.64 against Aston Villa. Um, and, and like you said, the, those three teams that they played, West Ham, Bournemouth and Villa, um, they're all in the, in the relegation battle. Um, which you know almost all were expected victories, and, and they did turn out to be comfortable victories in the end. But as soon as they came up against a, a well-organized Arsenal team, they looked looked a little bit bereft of ideas. Did Wolves, which are, is a bit of a surprise. Um, they did create some decent chances, and, and two 0 was probably a, a not a fair reflection of the chances in the game. It was very even on expected goals that one one point zero two to one point two five. Nonetheless, it was a pretty disappointing performance and, and you're right to point out that they do need to book their ideas up in attack and, and start creating um, to the level that, that we saw pre-break. Um, they still sit fourth in our expected goals table, um, but they have, like I said, struggled with fluidity in attack since the restart. Um, the team that's averaged 1.6 expected goals for per game this season uh, and they've broken one expected goal twice but since the break, but only only just... Away from home, they've been one of the best in the league. I think they've picked up around 27 points from 16 games. They've lost only three times away from home. Um, and in terms of expected goals process, they've actually been the fourth best travelling team in the Premier League. They've averaged 1.6 expected goals for, 1.15 against. So, um, again, chances at both ends uh, is what that process suggests, which is very um, promising for for what, what should be a pretty... Pretty good game between two teams that play in a, in a very similar manner in terms of the the, the formations and the structure. So um, it's going to be an intriguing game. I think that the price of Wolves is um, it's probably a little bit too big. I think that around the two point two mark is uh, is a little bit too big. Like I said, Tottenham went off around one point eight, and Wolves were by far and away a better team than Tottenham. Um, so if they went off at one point eight, Wolves should be going off at least a, a tick uh, a tick shorter around one point seven. But um, I think that the the model thinks that that the Wolves should be around forty nine percent, so two point zero five price. So there is value in backing Wolves to win this one. Um, and and that, interesting, you're saying about the goal line there. I think uh, the model is is in agreement with that in terms of the the unders being the favourite. Um, we're giving fifty six percent chance of under two and a half, but. The market's got unders at around uh, 1.5, which is 
um, a lot shorter than what, what we're suggesting. So it's probably, um, given the prices um, around the over two and a half, it is probably worth chancing the overs, at, uh, given the amount of value that is there. Um, I think it's around 34, 35% on the market is over two and a half, um, and the model goes 44%. So you're looking at around a 10 to the, a 9, 10% margin um, of value there. And, and also that is the case with both teams to score where, um, the, the market's got that around 43%. It's again favoring the, the voting score no, and the model's doing the same, but but to a lesser extent. So we're at 48% of both teams to score no. So there's a, there's a five or 6% um, margin uh, there as well. Um, in, in chancing this game to be more high scoring than what we have seen recently from Wolves. So um, I, personally, I quite like the both teams to score bet as, as, as a best bet. Um, in this game, but uh, just purely because I think Sheffield United's home process is is is, is deserving of um, of a bit more respect than these prices are, su- are suggesting. Um, so yeah, both teams score will be my selection in this one. Yeah, and it's I mean, so you've got Wolves. They've obviously got the game in hand. It's currently a seven point gap to to Leicester in fourth and and eight to to Chelsea in third. And obviously that drops down if they do go and beat Sheffield United. Is there, where are you on their their hopes of a top four or their chance of a top four? I know obviously Manchester United in fifth in between Wolves and any any hope of top four is also a big, big hurdle to overcome as well. But do they do they still have a, a credible chance, do you think? They do, yeah. Yeah, obviously they've got um, a big head-to-head game as well, which has to be factored into these um, these sort of simulations, they have to play Chelsea away from home. Uh, I think it's at the final day of the season, which is, <clears throat> which is obviously one of the, it could well decide uh, decide their fate. But it is, it is looking increasingly unlikely just because of the the form of, of Chelsea um, and the form of, of, of Manchester United. Um, I think Manchester United, in terms of fixture list, have got probably the easiest fixtures remaining. Um, they they also have a head to head game against Leicester that has to be factored in, which is um, which is also crucial. But it is looking slim. I think if they'd have beaten Arsenal, I would have really fancied Wolves to to kick on and uh, and and secured a top four finish. But that defeat has really uh, has really put the brakes on their charge, if you like. Um, especially with Chelsea winning in midweek on Tuesday night, Leicester picking up a point at the Emirates. Um, it, it, it is looking a little bit less likely now. So. Um, and they've also got a, they've got a couple of trickyish games. Uh, they don't have the best home record, do Wolves, in terms of um, in terms of picking up wins. They don't lose too many at home, but they don't win too many. Uh, they've got Everton at home and Crystal Palace at home, um, as well as Burnley and, and, and Chelsea away. Two pretty tough away trips. So if they are to finish in the top four, they're going to do it the hard way. But um, as things stand, it, it isn't looking too likely. Like I said, just purely because of the form of, of Chelsea, Manchester United, and, and the fact that they both have, um, especially Man United, have a, have a much kinder schedule remaining. So our next game is West Ham versus Burnley. Obviously a massive game here for West Ham. It's not often you say a, a win and a draw is a good run of form, but when teams down the bottom are playing as bad as they have been, it's, it makes all the difference. And West Ham, they had a deserved win at Chelsea, 2.38 XG to 1.67. They deserved more than the draw against Newcastle with 2.33 to two point to 1.32. I'm not jumping the gun here, but maybe Moyes is, is turning things around just in time. And obviously he's getting a favour from teams like Bournemouth and Aston Villa who can't seem to, to buy a win at the moment. Burnley, meanwhile, have been 
well, they've been a bit of a, a profitable team to to follow for betters over the last few weeks with those scrappy wins against Watford and Palace where the market seemed to to get it all wrong. They then got a draw against Sheffield United, as we mentioned earlier, and it seems that, I mean, this could be a, a game that follows a similar pattern. I, I really can't see Burnley going for it in an attack. They, they know how to shut an opponent out, and if they take their chances when they get them, which they probably will against West Ham, it's going to be very difficult to get anything out of them. It's another one where the market doesn't really fancy Burnley too much. Around 50% chance of a West Ham win at 1.961. The draw is 3.64, which is 27% chance. And Burnley are at 23% with odds of 4.10. I mean, it's no surprise that betters are favouring the under here. The goals mark is currently 2.5. Are you with the market on the 1x2 and the goals mark? Do, Do you think Burnley are maybe being underestimated again? Yes, yeah, undoubtedly uh, they've been un- underestimated again, um, and I'm not too sure why. Um, you know, they, they went off at this sort of price against both Watford at home and Crystal Palace away, um, and yeah, it, it is it is strange to me. And, and they went off, I think, second favourites against Sheffield United as well at the weekend. So the, for for whatever reason, there's just no love for for Burnley from the market. Um, that's continued. I think there's been a little bit of a, a recency bias reaction to West Ham's price. Um, for me, there's no way that they should be um, odds-on or at least flirting with odds-on uh, in this match. Obviously, you said they're two decent performances from a expected goals perspective against Chelsea and, and Newcastle. But Burnley are a completely different kettle of fish to those sides. Um, Newcastle actually opened up and had a go at West Ham. Burnley, uh, not expecting them to do that at all. Expecting them to keep it nice and tight and frustrate West Ham and potentially hit them on the break. So... Um, it's, it's going to be an intriguing game. I, I can't have New, uh, West Ham at the prices. But like you said, they, they pulled themselves clear um, of, of the bottom three with that 2-2 draw. Four-point cushion now. Um, and yeah, they've been massively aided by the inadequacies of the bottom four. Um, or you can even call them the bottom three now, given that Watford managed to to seal a win at the weekend. Uh, sorry, on, on Tuesday night. Um, prior to that Watford win over Norwich, uh, the bottom four have played 17 games between them since the break, failed to pick up a single win and collected just three points from a combined possible 51, which um, shows you just how bad they, they, they've been since the break. Um, <clears throat> West Ham, it, it's not so long ago that uh, since we were talking about them in, in such negative terms after defeats against Wolves and Tottenham, where they struggled to create anything and, and looked pretty vulnerable at the back. Um, but they have come to life against Chelsea and Newcastle in recent weeks. Um, but again, in both, they were far from solid in, in defence. Um, still allowed nearly three expected goals between uh, combined for the game. So there is there are still some, um, some question marks there. Uh, and over the course of the season, they've been one of the worst defensive teams in the league. So we can't really forget that just because of a, two, a mini two-game run in which they've uh, picked up four points and then all, all admittedly have conceded four goals as well. So um, they've allowed 1.99 unexpected goals against per game, um, which is a little bit of a worry coming into this match. And um, yeah, like I said at the top, I, I can't be having West Ham at these at these prices. Um, and, you know, there's a great stat here for, for Burnley. Um, you know, they're held by Sheffield United, but that draw means that Sean Dyche's side have now lost just one of the last 11 Premier League games, and that was at Manchester City. So every other game apart from away at Man City in the last 11, they've, they've avoided defeat. Um, <clears throat> and they've picked up quite a few wins in that time as well. So, um, you know, it, that sort of sums up everything that we already know about Burnley. They're, they're hard to beat, they're hard to play against. 
Um, but like we've seen quite a lot this season, they're playing with a little bit more attacking intent um, than in, in previous campaigns. And obviously, the, since the break, they've been missing both Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes uh, through injuries. But Chris Wood did come off the bench at the weekend, so potentially could be fit, which is a huge boost for Burnley ahead of this game. He, he's their best striker. He's by far and away the, the player who gets on the end of the most uh, chances uh, most regularly. Um I think he's, he's 14 expected goals, Chris Wood, um, and he scored 11 goals. So um, he really is, when he plays, the, the, he does get on the end of, of good chances, whether that's be because of his movements or, or because people like Dwight McNeil have now all of a sudden got a target in the box to aim for. Uh, but for whatever reason, Burnley improved greatly when uh, at least one of Wood or Barnes is, is in the lineup. So he could be... He could be in the in the lineup for this game, which would be, like I said, a huge boost. Um, and you know, Burnley still have a, a small, albeit realistic, possibility of, of claiming a European spot. They're only two points behind um, Tottenham, who are eighth. Um, and you know, if Manchester City's ban um, does come in, uh, does does end up happening, then eighth spot could end up being a Europa League spot. Um, and and you know, if they win against West Ham in this game, Burnley would be one point behind Wolves in seventh. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, anything could really, uh, really, anything realistically happen. Um, in terms of uh, process, they've they've been by far and away the better team between Burnley and West Ham all season long. The process has been very strong: one point four expected goals for, one point four seven against. Um, and in recent games, they've shown how gritty they can be, grinding out results against, um, like you said, Watford, Crystal Palace, uh, and then uh, earning a, a very fair draw with Sheffield United. So. Um, it, yeah, like I'll say it again, this price just baffles me. Um, I can't be having West Ham at, at, at that price. The model actually has this as a pick'em. We've got West Ham at thirty-eight percent chance of a win. We've got Burnley at thirty-eight percent chance of a win. Um, we think that even with home advantage, Burnley um, are the value play in this one. So, yeah, the, the West Ham's price of around uh, one point nine. 1.95, 1.97. Um, it, it seems extremely short. We think they should be priced up around 2.63. So um, there is no value at all in, in getting on side with West Ham at, at those prices. Obviously, given the model, um, it is suggesting that Burnley have an equal chance of winning. There is a huge amount of value in getting on side with Burnley. Um, it, it, the model proved to be right against both Watford and Crystal Palace at, at, at similar prices. Um, so I won't put anyone off back in Burnley to go to West Ham and, and get a win. But I will just say that the more sensible plays, perhaps uh, getting Burnley on side with the, either the double chance market or, or 0.5 Asian handicap, uh, where I think that's around 1.96 at the minute, um, where yeah, basically the, not 1.96 equates to a, a, around a 51% chance, and Infogol calculates around a 62% chance that Burnley plus 0.5 will will end up uh, landing a winning bet. So that, for me, is a, is a really smart play in this one. Uh, like I said, the prices seem to be quite heavily driven by the recency bias of, of West Ham's um, home win against Chelsea, forgetting the fact that they, against a much more stubborn um, opponent in Wolves, they really struggled to create. So that, for me, is a, is a really smart play. Um, I also like the look of both teams to score in this one. Um, uh, the market can't really make its mind up. It's 50-50, split down the middle. Uh, the model goes 63% chance of both teams to score. So um, we really like the the odds of, of both teams hitting the net, uh, which isn't a surprise really given West Ham's um, 
attacking talent that they have on offer. The fact that they have, to be fair to them, all season long created at home. They've averaged 1.5 expected goals four per game at, at the London Stadium. <clears throat> but at the same time, they've allowed 1.8 expected goals against per game. So you know, it wouldn't be a massive surprise to see them um, them score at least once and concede at least once. So um, both teams score is also a decent selection in this. But for me, the best bet in this match is to get Burnley on side. Plenty of options out there for betters, but I think we're all just hoping for a West Ham win. That's the that's the main thing. <laughs> we're all. <laughs> so Brighton versus Liverpool is our, our last game for this part of the, the game week 34. I'm not sure this officially classifies as a, a quote-unquote nothing game, but Brighton can still technically be caught, but for all intents and purposes, they're, they're obviously safe. Um, Liverpool are, of course, the champions and, and can't be caught. Maybe a, a drop in intensity for them. Maybe the, the hangover that the media keeps reporting. But obviously that Manchester City demolition job wouldn't have gone down well. But then they weren't exactly back to their best against Aston Villa either. 2-0 looks all right on paper. But XG of 0.82 to 0.69 shows that it, it was far from convincing. Um, and obviously they didn't even break the deadlock until kind of I think it was like 70 minutes into the game or, or quite far into it. Um, I think Brighton, I'd, I'd label Brighton as almost like a, a bottom half Wolves to me. I think you can, you appreciate the way they play. They don't quite get what they deserve and it's it's hard not to like them for a neutral. Um, the loss to Manchester United is the only real blot on their record since the return to action. They didn't play well, but I think 3-0 definitely wasn't a, a fair reflection on the game and perhaps a, a closer loss might have been more accurate of the, the two performances. Um, they also got a little bit fortunate with the win against Arsenal, but they, they probably deserved more than the draw against Leicester. So things seem to have kind of evened themselves out for them in this this small sample of performances. Um, based on performances over the season and the 33 games, they're, they're probably a, more like a top half team. But based on actual results, they're just nine points above Aston Villa in 18th. I think this is one that if it was played three weeks ago we probably would have seen Brighton at a much bigger price but now they're now they're 6.18 which means they've got a 16% chance of a win according to Pinnacle's odds. Liverpool are still obviously the clear favourites priced at 1.578 which gives them more than a 60% chance of the three points um, and it's another one I just want to highlight the goals market here because it's at the standard 2.5 mark surprisingly there, there isn't much in it in terms of action the over is just about edging it but Personally, I'm quite surprised to not see this closer to, to a 2.5 and 3 split goals mark at least. Um, but but what are your thoughts on this one and, and maybe how the odds look? Yeah, this, this is an interesting game. Like you said, it, is, it isn't a nothing game, but it is quite close to that given the fact that um, Brighton with their um, two wins and a draw since the restart have, have really put themselves in a strong position with five games left. They've got a nine-point cushion to um, to Aston Villa uh, and Bournemouth. Aston Villa obviously play Man United on, on Thursday. Bournemouth play Spurs on Thursday. So um, both of those teams will be second favourites in those games. So it's highly likely that um, that they'll both lose. So, you know, it, that looks like Brighton are going to have a nine-point gap at least um, with four games remaining, which you would have to say has pretty much got them um, uh, safety. Uh, they've... they've They've done enough since the restart, Brighton, to to warrant um, at least a couple of wins. One thing I will say is that that what they what seems to be have been the case since since the break is is that they've 
kept games a lot tighter in terms of um, they haven't created as many good chances, but they haven't conceded as many good chances either as, as what they have done all season long. So, um, you know, the, the the most that they've conceded in a single game since the break is 1.11 expected goals against, which came against Manchester United. Um, and, you know, every other game, 0.6 against Norwich, 0.67 against Leicester, 0.9 against Arsenal. They're, very, they're doing an extremely good job of limiting the number of chances and the number of quality chances that they're conceding. And in fact, since the break, They've only conceded one big chance, um, and Infigo uh, calculates a big chance of having a, a, a 0.35 expected goals or greater. So they've only conceded one of those, which came at Manchester United, which was Bruno Fernandes' goal, um, his second goal. So <clears throat> they're doing an extremely good job at the back for Brighton. They look a lot more solid. Um, and, you know, they, they've got quite a lot of qualities that, that we have spoken um, a lot about this season. They, they've got a lot of praise from us on the podcast, given the underlying process and how it's improved under Graham Potter. Um, and they're, they're a very adept team to, um, to to play against these better teams. I mean, you don't even have to look at the record this season. They've, they've drawn twice with Wolves. Um, they've, they've beaten Arsenal and Spurs at home. Um, obviously, the, the Man United game at home was was a 3-0 defeat, but it wasn't a 3-0 defeat uh, according to expected goals. And the other thing you have to factor into that is is the fact that, that Potter made three or four changes uh, and dropped three or four of his better players that, that are nailed on starters uh, to the bench with a view of that Norwich game three or four days later. So your likes of, uh, of Morpai, um, Trossard, um, I think Moy as well didn't play. Um, so that you, know, you have to factor that in a little bit in the sense that, that Pascal Gross was another one that didn't play in that game. So in terms of the 3-0 defeat to Man United, while it looks like a bad result on paper, Brighton were effectively resting their better players for what was a more important game against Norwich. Um, and that obviously proved, you know, that, that paid dividends given the, the fact that they got the win in the end. Um, and, you know, I think that now they're in a position where they're probably comfortable, they're probably, um, they, they won't have it in the heads just yet because it's not mathematically uh, certain, but they probably are expecting... To, to stay up. They've got a couple more winnable games towards the end of the season. I think they play Liverpool and Man City back-to-back this week. Um, and then they've got a trip to Southampton. They play Newcastle at home uh, and then Burnley away. So they, they, I think three more points will do it for them. And, and you know, if they get anything from the games against Liverpool and Man City, it's an absolute bonus, really. Um, so I won't be surprised to see them have a go. I don't think he'll rest players like he did last, last midweek against Manchester United. Um, and they really do have some um, really impressive uh, results at the Amex this season against the better teams, and if not results, performances with their their home expected goals process reading at one point four six um, expected goals for and one point three two against. So really, you know, I think that the, the price on Brighton is, is generous, and I think that it should be a little bit shorter given what they've shown this season. And like you said, that they should be sat in the top half according to expected goals. So. Um, really a steady side that are improving um, pretty much week by week, it looks like. Uh, as for Liverpool, yeah, the performance against Aston Villa, I think was, I think if you say that they were laboured, you're being kind. Um, they were really, really shocking in that in that first half. And even in the second half, they really just didn't click. Something not right there, whether that is because they, they've taken the foot off the gas, which is totally acceptable and and. Um, you know, given the fact they've already clinched the title, everyone's looking at the fact that they can obviously pit Manchester City to a, to a, the hundred points and, and break their record. But 
you know, um, while that would be nice, Liverpool have just won the first Premier League title in the club's history. Um, I think that the fact that they've done that is enough reason to celebrate. I don't think they need to kick on and, and break, the, break the, the record, but I'm pretty sure Jurgen Klopp will be looking at that and trying to get his team motivated to do so. I expect a better performance in this game than, than what happened against Villa, but to be fair to Villa, they, they have, since the, since the restart, they have been one of the teams that has, has really tightened things up defensively. So it wasn't really a surprise to see Liverpool um, you know, have to work really hard to create a couple of good chances, and I think it'll be something similar in this game. Um what is interesting about Liverpool, the last five away games in all competitions, they've failed to score, which is a bit of a worry. Um, so that's obviously the, the first leg of the Champions League tie against Atletico Madrid. They lost that 1-0. Lost 3-0 against Watford in, in the Premier League. They lost 2-0 at Chelsea in, in the FA Cup. 0-0 um, at, at Everton in, in the league, first game back after the restart. And obviously the 4-0 defeat at Manchester City. So they're, they're, they're struggling to score goals away from home. And to be fair... All of those performances, they've they've um, struggled to create chances. It was 1.11 expected goals at City, 0.73 against Everton. Um, I think at, at Watford, it was around 0.3. It was a really poor performance against Watford. Against Atletico, it was around 0.6. So they, they, they are struggling to create chances regularly away from home, which is a bit of a worry. Um, and it does lead to me thinking that it is going to be a bit of a low-scoring game, this one, similar to what we saw um uh, the weekend against Aston Villa. In the 1x2, Liverpool look a little bit too short to me uh, at the prices, given what we've seen from them recently away from home, uh, around 61% on the market. The model goes 52, so we still make the odds on favourites, but um, we don't think there's too much value, or no value actually, in backing them to get the win. Um, in terms of the goals, both teams to score it is of interest, 55% um, chance of both teams scoring. Uh, from the model, the market's at 51. Um, that is, it is of interest, but I, I prefer to look at the um, over-unders where the market's around um, 40, 45, 46, 44% chance of under two and a half goals. Um, and, and the model's at 46. So we, we still think it's going to be, there's more chance of goals than, than not, but there is a value play in, in, in getting on side with the unders in this one. And I think that's probably the way I'd go, given the way that these two teams have, have started or restarted the season and I mentioned earlier about the the markets and the outrights for for next season and the fact that consensus seems to be that Manchester City are favourites I think I asked you the question before the title had been decided and you were very evenly split do you think Manchester Manchester City deserve to be there I think they're around even money Liverpool I mean it's very close between the two of them but what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you still have City's favourites as well, or would you would you be edging towards Liverpool now? Uh, no, I still have City favourites. I think that um, one of the things that people have to factor in is um, is that Liverpool have won fourteen of their games this season by a single goal margin, um, and that that sort of tight, narrow victory is unsustainable over the course of a long period of time. So, what we usually see or expect to see is that that the number of narrow wins by a goal tends to half from one season to the next. So if Liverpool won 14 games by a goal, a single goal margin this season, next season we expect them to, to win just seven of those, which could lead to seven draws um, or you know four draws and three defeats. So um, it, you know if, if that was to be the case, you're taking 21 points off Liverpool there um, straight up, which you know if they get to 100 points that leaves them at about 80 which is still going to be a decent total to try and beat given how inconsistent city have been um 
but there is there is a lot of factors that need to be looked at in this. Um, I personally would make Manchester City favourites. The model agrees with me, giving them favouritism. But at the prices, like I said before, I think I think there's, there's the prices split between City and Liverpool at the minute is just a little bit too big. Um, I think it's going to be a tighter um, title race, and I think that, that, that when when the season does kick off, I think the the prices will be a lot closer. Um, uh, almost not not a fifty fifty split. Because um, I think whatever happens, City will go off favourites. But um, I think they'll go, the, 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 the prices, City and Liverpool, will, will be a lot closer together by the time the season does kick off. Um, like I said, the, the fact that Liverpool have won so many games by a single margin is, is very unsustainable over a long period of time. It's something that we've seen quite often. Um, I mean, the, the most recent example would, would be Reading. I think it was around 2016 or 17 season in the Championship where they, they finished... I think they finished third, got to the playoff final. Uh, they lost the playoff final. And the following season, uh, I think they won around 20 games by a single goal margin. And the following season, they dropped right down to around 20th or uh, or 21st in the league um, and were fortunate to stay up. So this sort of thing does happen. Um, I think the other example is Newcastle under Alan Pardew when they finished um, sixth or seventh in the league. They'd won seven or eight or nine games by a one goal margin and they dropped like a stone because they that, that you know that those sort of tight narrow games, the chance of them going in your favour every every single week is is very slim. So um, that's something to be factored in. Obviously, City's underlying numbers are, are better than Liverpool's. I think that's partly because City do a lot of stat padding. Um, Liverpool do a lot of um, get in front and then sort of rest on your laurels if you like and and try and preserve a bit of energy perhaps. Um, I think that inflates the xG totals somewhat. Um, but you know even so, I think that. Given the way that City play, they they do dominate teams, and it is it is more likely that City will uh, will win more games next season than Liverpool, given the way the two teams play. Yeah, I mean it's certainly intriguing to kind of think ahead to next season, but obviously we're we're still dealing with the the here and now, and that is our our next four games done. We've we've got seven down, three left to go in game week thirty four. Interesting to see what happens with these, and then we'll be back again to cover the remaining fixtures tomorrow. Does that sound good to you, Jake? Yep, sounds good. Good stuff. And and thank you to everyone for listening. Remember that if you do want more information on InfoGold to visit infogold.net, follow at InfoGold app on Twitter and download the app on iOS and Android. If you are also looking to bet in play, you can download the Pinnacle Live Scores app for our latest live odds and you can set alerts to bet at the odds that you want. To find out when our latest episodes go live, make sure you subscribe to the Pinnacle podcast on your preferred platform and you can help us get the word out there by leaving a review and sharing your feedback. All of the latest odds for the Premier League are now available on pinnacle.com. Good luck with those bets and remember to please gamble responsibly.